Well, welcome everyone. Welcome to season two of the Samwise Yaboinski podcast. I am Chris Holton-Jablonski, and as always, I'm joined with Sam Foster. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Chris? I'm good. so grateful to be back. We're going to have another eight fascinating conversations with folks from the church, and I couldn't be happier than to be kicking it off uh, with Mary Harrison. Welcome, Mary. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome, Mary. Thanks. It's a great chance to be with you. Yeah. And I have to introduce you by saying, so I get to be in a lot of meetings with a lot of people. And it has been really a joy, both on the Committee on Ministry and in the lay pastoral care team, but especially on the Committee of Ministry for some reason, because we're often talking about these big ideas and all these things, and we have these long, free-ranging conversations where we're reflecting on all the different parts of the church. And so often, especially in this complicated time that we've been facing for these last couple of years, especially in this time, you so often will just both synthesize these big conversations we've been having, and you'll just deepen the conversations to a whole nother place. So I've really appreciated that part of of working with you uh, in all these groups. And you just have a fascinating life and backstory. So I'm excited to talk a little bit about your journey and how you got here. And then also for people who don't know you, to hear a little bit about the journey. So um, anyway, so yeah, let's let's uh, dive into it. So, so I think that some of the big questions in the beginning, and we have so many ways in, but just what does spiritual growth mean to you? Well, since you um, asked about my spiritual journey, you know, a while back, I thought, what what does that mean? Um, and um, to me, spiritual growth and personal growth are the same. That that in order to grow spiritually, I have to grow psychologically and personally. And um, the more I do that, the more the world opens up. The deeper my understanding becomes. Um, and I, I'm tempted, this is a, a strange way to start maybe, but I'm tempted to pick up on what you said about how I am in meetings <laughs> because some of the most important things about growing for me, it, it's like, how do I, how do I learn these things? Mm. And um, it has to do with listening. Mm. And it also has to do with voice. Mm. So I want to say that about listening, there that's a big piece of this journey. And um, it I, I was taking deep listening training. But then 
Um, the Vision Mission Council was set up to, you know, talk to people in the church and come up with a vision and mission. Doug Reynolds uh, taught us how to do listening circles. And we did listening circles in our meetings. And then we did them throughout the church with different groups. So in, in a listening circle, for those people who don't know about it, um, we're in a circle. Um, we have a talking piece. And it's really from Native American culture. That we pose a question and then we pass the talking piece. And only the person with the piece speaks. And the rest of us listen. We don't question. We don't interrupt. We just, the, the invitation is to let go of all our thoughts that come up when we hear the question and just be listening and affected by what other people say. And I found that over all the circles, I, the circles were magical. They would always deepen. We would go several times with one question and each round deepened. And to me, the, the interconnected web is part of my journey that I'm growing into as to what does that mean? Um, and it felt like a web, like all the things we were saying were evoking something in one another. And we were moving deeper and deeper into something wiser than we could have any way accomplished through a usual meeting style conversation. So that taught me, that was a spiritual learning in my view, um, understanding and feeling in myself that process of what happens when we listen. So that was part of it. But then um, I had an opportunity to work with David White, the poet that you often use his poems, and I love them. So this was, um, he would come East quarterly throughout a year. And um, he did writing workshops that a small group of us attended his writing workshops. And so over a two year cycle, I was in that group. And I have to say that David White is a presence. And in his presence, I felt like, oh my God, this is very frightening. And he was in, he embodied what he said to us, the poems and then his conversation. Um, and so that I felt it was like earthquakes in me every time we were in his presence. Um, in the writing workshop, he, he talked about a number of things. Like he challenged us about whose voices were we writing in? And he helped us to think about the voices that we carried within us and whose were they? Were they our voice? And the goal was to come into our own voice 
and allow those other voices to, it's sort of like you've had your say, it's my turn now. Um, and it was the whole idea of um, writing from a place that's within us. Um, able to write in many voices, but having our own as the foundation. Um, he also did something with us that um, really uh, was important to me. And that is we had to memorize a poem and then go up in front of the group and recite it. So his goal was to help us know where was our recitation coming from? Was it coming from within our bodies or just sort of up in our heads and, and all? And many people in the group, when they would stand up, it was sort of like, you know, when people read a story to, we read to our kids and, and we're sort of reading on autopilot and we're not in it. And, and, that's where a lot of people recite and read things from. And his goal was to help us deepen that. Um, and so if someone was struggling with how to deepen it, he had us all tone with the person up front so that we were getting the sound into our bodies. And that changed how the person then was able to recite. Um, so what that taught me was how important it is where our voice comes from. Because I discovered, and this was particularly true with someone like David, that where our voice comes from sets off a resonance. It's like you imagine the sounding cord, and that resonance affects the listeners. So if I'm in my voice, uh, I will have a different effect. And that's what happens in the listening circles, too. Because as people get deeper into themselves, the other wisdom comes up. So for me, that was incredibly important. I love so much of what you just said, I want to dig into it a little bit when you were talking about the writing and, and all the many voices, did you find what, do you remember which, what other voices were alive in your writing at the beginning? And, and did you, did you find that you kind of found your voice? I, I feel I found my voice. Yes. Um, I'm still aware of, you know, other voices but um, but I have to go back to um, when I was a young mother. My kids were almost two and, and three. And um, I just was very unhappy because I felt my <clears throat> all kinds of people were telling me who to be. Mm. Um, you know, my husband, my in-laws, my parents. And I thought, I, I just don't feel I know who I am. And voice is about the expression of who I think I am. Um, so I took my kids and ran away to Europe 
and lived in Spain for eight months really? with my wow. kids. I had never done anything like that before. And what I found, I journaled every day. And I was looking for whose voice. I was the one telling me all these things. Mm. You should do this. You should do that. But where did that voice come from? And was it really mine? And the answer was it came from not believing in the deeper voice, not yet knowing that deeper voice that I had known as a child. Mm. Um, and so that was an early that was an early part. So I guess I'd say this whole time, in some way, I have been looking for my voice. That's fascinating. And so then you came back from Spain. Yes, and then I made all different decisions about what, where my life would go. Like what? What happened? Well, I got divorced for one thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a new start. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one. Uh, and you know, then um, I went to work and had a fascinating career, which you know is a whole different story. And um, was mother to two sons and. Um, you know, we kind of were a team. Um, and I was in California during the 60s and 70s, which is a growing experience in itself. Where in California? Manhattan Beach, which is south of the LA airport. Yeah. Wow. I just want to uh, jump in and, and say that, um, Mary, while you were talking about these, these two deep ideas, finding your voice, and learning to sort of learning to listen is um you know that these are these are profoundly unitarian universalist ideas or profoundly unitarian ideas I, i'm thinking of uh, our great unitarian uh philosopher and theologian and and predecessor ralph waldo emerson uh, for whom you know um those two ideas are deeply connected as well i mean he was all about um finding finding the voice in yourself that isn't just the voice of received opinion and authority and custom and, and tradition and so forth but find but but finding the vo the prophetic voice that comes just from within within yourself finding a you know his word for that is, is self-reliance which doesn't mean the kind of modern capitalist american ethos of uh pulling yourself up by your bootstraps but is a kind of spiritual listening to who you really are in the inside and what 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 uh, you know the universe is saying through you individually and and for him that's connected with deeply listening because when when we speak with the voice of our true selves others immediately awaken to that and hear it and and so the the, the purely individual and the universal somehow go together hand in hand and we we we're, we're responsive to to uh, to when people start speaking from within rather than from, you know, custom and tradition and what other people think that we ought to say. So, so there's a, there's a whole tradition of that. And I'm, I'm very interested in, in, in your unique way of, of putting that and the way that's been reflected in your life. That's fascinating. I was very influenced by Emerson um, in, when I was a teenager. Mm. So that was part two. Um, something I want to say more about, um, the listening is, and it has to do with voice also. I think um, we have to listen to ourselves. Um, and 
when I'm going about a day, sometimes it's like a voice arises within me and then it's sort of a direction, if you will. It's like, um, um, it, I just think it's like my wise being in me um, reminding me of something or saying, had you thought about that? Um, so, so part of finding one's voice is listening to a different voice than other people's voice. Mm. I, I don't know what to call it. The voice of the universe, the, uh, you know, I think of great spirit, you know, and that, that at some point it's like, I don't know where these thoughts are coming from. Mm. I didn't know I knew that. And that's an example of what that inner voice can sometimes tell me. Yeah. Well, and also another echo and resonance of Emerson and what you were saying a moment ago around, you know, the interconnectedness of all things and the interconnected web of existence. So, you know, when he was writing about the oversoul and that's the other, mm -hmm. that's the other kind of listening and connected, you know, resource that we're always linked into. And, and you said that your, your journey has been about this interconnected web. And um, I wonder if you could say a little bit more about that too. Yeah, I was interested in what you were saying about the interconnected web too, Mary. How did I think of it? I, I, as a teenager, I did a lot of hiking in the White Mountains. And the guys I hiked with, um, some of them were interested in beating the Appalachian Mountain Club book time for the mountain. Others of them would have conversations about the universe. And sort of what we what I was feeling was that there was a presence. There was something there in the mountains that was with us. And I felt the presence of like, I've always felt the aliveness of trees. Trees are incredibly important to me in my life. And it's like everything, I, I feel that everything embodies spirit. And I see, as we talk about climate change and all this, the impacts of everyone on everyone and everything. Um, and that's become even more clear for me in sort of in ways during this COVID time. Um, but listening circles, to me, that's, you know, somehow a web of wisdom emerging. Where is that coming from? Um, and uh, I just feel that every part of everything affects everything else. Um, mm. I don't know how otherwise to to name it. Mm. Mm. No, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful point, and and I agree, especially during this COVID time, which was wild. So we just almost we recently had our first Sunday back in the sanctuary and. It had been 23 months 
since we were in the sanctuary on a Sunday morning together. And early on in the pandemic, um, Lynn Unger, she wrote that poem, uh, Pandemic. And anyway, she talks about how connected we are. And it's kind of wild when you think we were in that moment separate because we were in lockdown and we weren't gathering. We were barely going out. So many of us weren't even going to grocery stores. Um, and in that moment where we were so separate, we were also so aware of being so connected because that was the danger. Like our connection somehow was the danger and the transmissibility and with Omicron and everything. It's um, it's wild how connected we are, even in this time where we've mm. been separate. I'm just taking all this in. Sorry, this has been fa- this is such such a fascinating conversation. I'm I know. I love <laughs> talking about listening, and that makes me want to listen. Yeah. Even, even. Well, you know, another thing about the web. That yeah. I don't know when it was, but I began reading quantum physics. I'm not oh, really? going to pretend I understand it, but I understood enough of it um, that I thought. Oh, that's what the Native Americans have talked about for ages. Or I thought, that feels right to me. Um, and that explains something else. And, and then it, there was morphic field theory is another thing that I read, um, where there's the sense that everything, all knowledge, all everything is available in this massive web of life. And so that's my, that's another way I got into thinking about the web that, um, that um, it's all there, all the information is there. Mm. But as if we're not embodied, and if we're off in our thinking all the time, we're not connected to that web. Okay, so here, here's an odd way of saying this. Um, I find that the more I do my work, the more I'm aware that I'm a receiving station and a transmitting station, that I receive what is on offer from the universe and other people, that... Um, to the extent that I can deeply be affected by and meet that and not run from it, I become a better receiver. And then that affects my voice and where my voice is coming from and what my voice tells me I know or experience. Um, And that it's almost like I'm not speaking, the universe is speaking through me. So that's a kind of what some people might say a new age take on the web. No, it's beautiful. And I I think one of the um one of the things I really admire about you and one of the things uh I really I find in, inspiring is you know that you're this this stance of openness and receptivity you know, this is like what we talk about with lifelong learning. I mean, you're always open for new and fresher 
input and always open to this 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 and it's the same with what you were saying earlier about about the listening like being open to this new and and different truth um and you know i mean it's not everybody who i mean you've seen a few Christmases come and go, you know what I mean? Like you've been on the planet for a little while and you're still open and still learning and still growing and still looking for, which is great. I think sometimes we get into a, a mode um, where it's like, all right, I've pretty much absorbed everything I'm going to absorb in, in, in life at whatever age. I mean, a lot of people hit that point way earlier and uh, I just really appreciate it. And you, um, I, this came out in a meeting, so I hope you don't mind me, me sharing it, but uh, you were talking about your, is it your grandson who's in a band? Yes. And, and you know, they were playing. Can you tell the story about when they were playing? And <laughs> Well, they were rehearsing in the basement below this room I'm in. So, you know, that's pretty porous. It's like being in the presence of these people. And um, they assembled, they, they were back from college. So, you know, they hadn't played together in some time. And I was looking forward to their concert. Um, so I was sitting in here and they were tuning up. They were, you know, kind of, it was all over the place. It was like out of tune voices, out of tune guitars, Everything sounded like a cacophony, I guess I'd say. Um, and suddenly, suddenly, it was like a switch flipped, and everything became harmonious. And it was, I just sat in that, and I thought, this is wonderful. Just, and the world works that way. This is, I didn't say this in the meeting, but as I say this, I know this is something I've experienced too with um, Nick Page, who's taught us, um, you know, song, but, and he was also about voice and getting into voice. But one time, what he said is, I want you to learn um, something different and so he had us choose a sound like a vowel sound and then he was going to start us off and all we would do was continue to chant whatever sound so what happened was just like what happened with my grandson's band it was kickoff it it, it went into just total mess and then it emerged and it went back and forth between emerging as harmony and going into chaos and coming back. And that too was a lesson. Um, that that's what happens. And so, you know, when we're in this crazy world we're in right now, um, there's part of me that says, okay, we're going through the cacophony cycle um, maybe we'll emerge, but how can I be in relationship to this sound? I don't have to be upset by it. Mm. How, how do I want to experience it? Um, so that's a long riff on your question. No, it's great. And I think to go back to what you said before too, is 
you know, when we're when we're listening and when we're attuned, there's something about the tuning and something about the sharing. And if you're kind of, you know, you can connect and and people all together can kind of it's almost contagious, that kind of authenticity and, and that kind of presence. Um, and it's somehow linked. You mentioned um, an experience or, or improv comedy also. Yes, um, that was during a time when um, I was unemployed because suddenly a grant we had, they called on a Friday and said, there's actually no money behind this. So we were done. And um, so it was one of the times in my life when things were not looking good. And someone suggested, why don't you try improv? So in improv, the invitation or the rule is when you're in a scene with another, call it actor, and the rule is you must respond to the other person's invitation. And it was like, oh my God, some of the you know invitations were like, I wanted to run out of the room. Mm. Uh, but then <laughs> what happened was <clears throat> there was an engagement, no matter how uncomfortable, and something would emerge from that uh, that was totally unexpected, just totally unexpected. Um, and part of what Diana, our teacher, was helping us learn was listening to one another, getting past the fear level of I don't want to be here into I'll meet you and I'll keep trying to meet you. Um, and, um, and the other thing I learned from that was she would have us get into small groups within the same space. And we would engage in something or other in our small groups. And when we came back together, we discovered that similar phrases, similar things were arising in each of the groups. Um, that's the web again. But it's also listening that we're listening with a level of ourselves we don't, we don't know we're listening with. And that is very evident in improv. And it's, improv is also a way of working through so many of the life scenarios with people you've had difficulties with that, you know, you wouldn't think it's like a crash course in, you know, what are all the things that bug you and how are we going to respond differently? Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I, I feel like, all of us are learning that right now. One of the, one of the things that to me we've been working really hard on at the church for this entire time, and then more broadly beforehand, is in that same spirit of you know working with what you're given, <laughs> you yeah, know? and saying, "All right, we're in a scene, and all of a sudden." The sanctuary gets taken away. <laughs> I guess we're going online. You know, I yeah. guess we're going to make a podcast. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's see. Let's see. And the fascinating thing is, you know, you can meet all of those circumstances. And obviously, it's more broadly applicable in all of our lives. But 
you can meet the circumstances with a rigidity and say, no, this is not the feedback I want. This is not the circumstance I want. We're going to just keep on trying to do the, the exact same way. Or you can say, all right, so I'm a, I'm a penguin and we're, you know, sledding down a hill, you know, it's like, let's just do this, you know, and sort of see where it goes. So I've been um, really grateful also having done some theater back in the day, having had those experiences facing this, facing this time that we're in. Um, I've never yeah. done improv, but I understand um, that one of the principles of doing improv is the principle, yes, and, right? Is that what you're talking about, Mary? Yes, when yeah. somebody gives you a, a, a prom, someone says something, you're supposed to accept it in the principle of yes, and, and not not disagree with it. And I like I like that, you know, what what, what can we do with that? And I, 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 I like that as a, as, a, as a governing principle for holding meetings, whether it's work meetings, family meetings, church meetings, or whatever, because it's it's like the yes, and principle is uh, when someone says something and my first thought is, oh, I disagree with that. That's wrong. We shouldn't go there. <laughs> Instead, I should think, what truth is that person speaking from, right? Yeah. Everyone's yeah. speaking from a truth. And I try to try to listen to the truth that they're saying and and therefore broaden my own horizon, broaden my own sense of, 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 of the larger truth in which we're working together. Something like that. Yeah, that's very much... I, I feel that very, very much. And th that there's a grain of truth in everything is one of the things that yeah. I was told. Um, and, you know, sometimes we don't see that because we're too busy disagreeing with it. Or, you know, for me, getting over, I'm right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ugh, this is super fascinating. One of the things that we've been inviting people to do also in these podcasts is to ask either Sam or I or both of us um, questions too. So did you have any questions? Oh, yeah. for I certainly do. Yeah. I'd like, I'd like to hear from both of you. Um, what? How do you see what is spiritual growth and why would someone do it? Hmm. The times where I've seen people grow and deepen. Oftentimes it's in response to trauma. Oftentimes it's, you know, being able to almost like a steel getting forged, you know, kind of moving in and out of difficult circumstances and then realizing that we can survive and, and getting clear on who we are and, and what we're here for. And all of that to me is, you know, opening and becoming more resilient. Mm. So to me, it's kind of facing the consequences and the circumstances of our lives and being able to learn. I think about it with my own family, and I've, I think I mentioned this in a service forever ago, but you know, I come from a long line of alcoholic diabetics, and so I don't drink and I exercise a lot. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because I'm like, well, I'm going to learn from this generations of dysfunction. And my sort of simple way of saying is I want to pass on new and exotic dysfunctions to my children. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's introduce something new into the family tree. So I think there is something kind of concrete and grounded 
and just sort of learning the lessons before us. Um, and, and to me also spiritual practice. I mean, one of the things that's, you know, been crucial to my survival during the pandemic is for a long time now, I've just been, you know, sitting every morning and have a Vipassana Buddhist meditation practice and I've been reading, reading Pema Chodron every morning and sitting every morning. And it's just been, it's like, my early morning water and coffee is just part of my routine and, and ritual. And I can really tell the difference when, um, you know, circumstances have conspired and I haven't been able to, but the vast majority. So I think there's a practice of deepening into too. So I think it's both facing the circumstances before us learning from our lives. And there's something in sinking deep into a, into a committed practice also, but. What about you, Sam? Well, I think one of the things I really responded to in uh, in what Mary has shared with us today is that for me, spiritual growth is tied to the idea of listening for the truth, and listening for the truth in in myself, in uh, in in the folks around me, um, in the world, and um, listening for the truth is 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 sort of a process of growing in such a way that I come to appreciate. The, the broader settings in which my own life happens. And, um, you know, I, I for example, <clears throat> you know, my other my other existence, which isn't really another existence, that's part of what I what I what I'm learning is my other existence is is doing a PhD on literature and my and I, and I absolutely love poetry. And um, I've, I've started to sort of realize that the process of trying to work your mind into the truth of a great poem is really the same process as listening to a person who's talking to you about their life, their experience, their pain. Um, it's listening for what true thing is being said in the particular way it needs to be said, right? And um, it's funny that that Mary, I didn't know that Mary also read quantum physics because when I was when I was very young, I was also hugely into quantum physics, quantum field theory and relativity and all that lovely stuff. And now I think in retrospect, since I, I, I moved on to poetry and discovered religion and discovered lots of other things that were important to me, I now I look back on that and I and I think that there are very important things, true things that are being said in these beautiful mathematical and scientific uh, patterns that, that that form the great web of of uh, the physical sciences, and in particular the beauties of, of of quantum physics. It might seem that you know um, quantum theory is is utterly remote from day to day life. It's utterly remote from our actual experience of ourselves and and, and each other in the day to day. But I don't think it is. I think I think it, it we have an instinct for beauty and an instinct for truth, and those the, the, these these instincts are the, are really a somehow at a deep level the same as the instinct to really be listening for, for the true thing that we're hearing from the world, from other people, um, from ourselves, when you really listen to ourselves, and it's and it's listening for that truth that is that 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 I've that I'm that I'm finding is the kind of guiding thread through my own spiritual path and my own path of trying to be a a better person, a more a person who's more responsive to um, what I'm called on to do and to say and to listen to and so on. Sorry, that's a bit, that's all a bit vague, but. No, um, no, it's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. You know, one thing too that speaks to, I think, what you each said 
is that um, that the learning doesn't just happen in these training places. It happens in the meetings. It happens in life as it's happening. Um, and that I don't think that the learning gets embodied until you're in the life situation, whatever that is. Um, then you see, oh, that's, you know, quantum physics at work, or, or you see that's listening at work or whatever, but it expresses, there's an embodiment that occurs in living one's life as well as in having one's voice. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in traffic, I find you know, when, I'm, when <laughs> I'm outside yes. waiting for the Vesper services to start, I'm witnessing, shall we say, not the better angels of the spirits of the traffic people in that little intersection right outside the church. It's, um, you know, uh, they could use a little David White sometimes. I think I should make little flyers <laughs> of David White and pass them out when people. Um, but listening wow. for the truth is also listening for the truth. And when someone honks their horn and they're angry right. and they got road rage, it's, you know, Try and try and take a step back and be like, what truth is this person <laughs> expressing in the way they're honking their horn at me, you know? <laughs> well, listening. So the other beautiful thing, and I love that listening because somebody's listening to this podcast right now, right? Um, one of the fascinating things about church that I've noticed, especially during the Vesper services uh, and, and in the live return to Sunday morning services you know, it's a long chunk of listening. You know, I notice in the Vesper services, um, we have a big long silence in the middle, but then also the music, there's so much music. And I find myself, because it's a Vesper service and we talk about listening a little bit at the beginning, I find myself listening so deeply to all of the contours of the music. Mm. And Ian and Simon both play some instrumental music. And then we have our soloist there. And I'm just listening so fully to all of those moments. And one of my favorite little things is somehow, I mean, it's just the train schedule. I don't know why I said somehow. So anyway, the train schedule, often a train will come by in the middle of the silence sometimes. And it's just the most beautiful thing to feel and hear the train coming and then to hear it leave and then the quiet after the train mm. has left, it's just an exquisite quiet. So I feel like so much of um, this moment, especially, I'm really, really appreciating the, the listening. And then there's not that many places where we practice that now, right? Because, you know, my kids and lots of folks, we're, you know, when I'm working, I'm on my phone, we have emails all the time, you know, there's not a lot of places except for in practice. And we're really putting it all down and really paying attention. I think that's one of the great gifts of, of worship, you know, that we have these times, even the short silences in Sunday services, where we're all just listening to each other. Mm. It's really beautiful and not distracted. 45 minutes, an hour. How often in our lives do we have 45 minutes or an hour of not being distracted and sharing it, an experience of listening 
with a whole group of people listening to the same thing in the same moment. It's really beautiful. Anyway. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's a long public service announcement about the importance of church. Surprise. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) The preacher thinks church is good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Well, Mary, such a pleasure to hear more about you and and to chat um i thank you for this gift it gave me the chance to you know think about what what has my journey been um and what's been most important and um then talking with you two today has been really wonderful Mm. so thank you for us for us too and we're um so grateful for everything you're doing and, and being and all the ways you're supporting uh, so many folks and, and the rock band in your basement and, <laughs> and so many things. So yeah. Thanks so much for coming. Yeah. Thank you, Mary. And thank you all for tuning in to season two of the same wise you pod. As always, you can send questions uh, to minister at uubelmont.org. If there are questions you'd like us to chat about with some of our guests, we have a lot of really wonderful people coming in the next many weeks. So do please be sure to tune in. And as always, as we're moving into this next phase of this strange time together, know that you're held, that you're loved. Listen deeply to the stirrings of truth within you, without you. Know that we're connected to Thanks again so much, Mary, for joining us today. Thanks as always, Sam. This was great.